Wat sê die reg? Op Radio Tijgerberg 104 FM. On the line every last Monday of the month, it is Michael Bagram himself. Mr. Michael Bagram, good evening and welcome again to Radio Tigerberg. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in tonight. Um, I'm happy to answer any questions that they could WhatsApp in. Only to do with labor law, work and law. Um, and I'm happy to try. And afterwards, I'll even give my email address and maybe people have got some uh, personal queries about the labor law. I'm happy to try and answer mm. that as well. Michael, we are in an interesting time in our lives where everything that we perceived as to be normal, um, it really didn't, it didn't turn out normal. We've been facing things that were unprecedented um, due to pandemics, due to laws that have changed, due to people's working environments that have changed. You yourself have made mention in the past that things at Bagram's attorneys have changed, where people used to be at the, at the office, um, some of them are working a lot more remotely and a lot more separate from one another. Things 10, 15 years ago we would have seemed to think to be foreign, you know, but today we are discovering new normal in the workplace. All these changes, are they positive changes? What do you think? Are a lot of them positive or a lot of them negative? What do you, if you have to look out on the, 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 the landscape of of labor in our country all these things that have happened do you think they have a positive effect on south africans going in the future or do you see a couple of red flags thank you yeah i do see some red flags obviously and um i did want to also touch on the ccma where things are they're trying to normalize the situation but yes i think everything at the end of the day there's a plan there's an eternal plan that uh, we um, obviously didn't see coming, and, uh, and there's good in it. And my grandmother always used to say that um, when man makes plans, God laughs. Um, and we, we've seen this in the last two years um, where we didn't think anything like this would happen. But I do think there's some value in it. I mean, today I had meetings basically across the globe um, through Zoom and Microsoft Teams, uh, which is absolutely amazing. Yes, three or four years ago, I would have had to have those meetings on uh, telephone, which was all normally crackly and I couldn't hear people. Um, and then we'd have to make arrangements for eventually uh, one of the witnesses to come through. Today, we could do it all where I could almost like I'm sitting in the same room and I could speak to them and there was no gap between what I was saying and them hearing that, where we always used to experience it. So we've had a lot of good come out of that. Um, What's also amazing, absolutely amazing, is that I've been running arbitrations um, over Zoom and I've had uh, witnesses sitting in Johannesburg and Pretoria and Durban And we've cut down on enormous expense, enormous amount of time wasted. Um, And above all that, people are more comfortable in their own environment. Mm. And, you know, we'd always have problems having to issue a subpoena for a witness to come down 
I remember years ago I had to get a witness to come down from Bloemfontein and we had to issue a subpoena to the witness. The witness tried to duck the subpoena. In other words, it didn't go and fetch it. And we had all sorts of problems. And what it boiled down to is that they didn't want to take a trip down to Cape Town. Sure. Um, and they weren't happy to get onto either an aeroplane or a train uh, to get here. And you can understand that. And people said, why must I waste three days of my life to give evidence for two hours? Um, and basically, I get paid next to nothing for it. Now there's no problem. You know, you get them on a, you give them a Zoom link, you get them on the phone, they give the evidence. Two hours later, they finish, then they get on with whatever work they were doing or whether mm -hmm. they were having a holiday with the family. Sure. Um, so there's there's big changes um, in the environment, and we need to change the law as well to fit in with the environment. Just take an obvious example: when uh, you move into a set of offices. Um, there are obligations in terms of the health and safety regulations um, that were put out by the Department of Employment and Labor. They want to know that your lighting is adequate to, to see what you're doing, whether the ventilation is adequate to be able to breathe and not spread disease, uh, whether the furniture is ergonomic and not dangerous, uh, whether the floors are not too slippery. All those things that the Department of Health uh, would look at, and the Department of uh, Labor, um, Employment and Labor would look at. What do you do now when you've got Michael Bagram running an arbitration and he's sitting at home in his little office at home? Can an inspector arrive and say, we want to just check to see if there's proper lighting or mm. ventilation? Or I mean, it sounds absurd, doesn't it? No, it does. But that's... That's the bottom line. The law says they're entitled to have a look at it, and then they can also order your employer uh, to make it uh, self-sufficient in the sense that it now falls in with the laws. So what do you do about that? How are, you, how are we going to handle that? And I don't think the department's thought about it. I have. Um, in fact, I put the question to the minister um, about three weeks ago. I said to the minister, are they considering looking at the situation because a lot of the professional staff in South Africa are working at home. Architects, engineers, um, lawyers, you, you go. Michael, are you still there? It seemed like we lost Michael for a moment. Let's see if we can't get him back just a, a moment. Ja, en dit is, dit is ongelukkig hoe dit werk betek hier in die, in die rechtsstelsel. Betek hier, dink ons, ons het al die antwoorde en dan het ons nie al die antwoorde noodwendig nie. Somtijds is dit van so aard dat ons probeer om die antwoorde te kry en die landskap het net heeltemal verander. So, waar jy jouself ook al bevind, mag dit vir jou vanavond baie insiggevend wees, hoe Michael praat oor die verskillende eigenskap en hoe werk anders raak hier in Zuid-Afrika, wanneer mense in ander werksomgevende begin werk. Michael, we are back online. Sorry, we lost you there. We have a couple no, of... No, 
problem. We have a couple of questions tonight that listeners have uh, texted in so far, sent in via WhatsApp. Um, I would like to start off with a question, and I think it will end up with the CCMA, and you wanted to make mention about the CCMA earlier. The, the question. The question from the listener is, on the 22nd of April, which was this uh, last week, um, I took a dead rat and I scared one of my colleagues. Um, She was very panicky afterwards. Um, I did apologize to her profusely twice. Um, She did not want to accept my apology. Um, She didn't get hurt. She didn't fall. She didn't break anything. It was merely I scared her. Um, Monday morning, the 25th, which is today, just before 7 in the morning, I was summarily terminated or or fired um, with immediate effect and without any um, excuse or reasoning, nor was there a warning. What do I do now? Yeah, obviously that will uh, land up at the CCMA, the Commission for Conciliation, Mediation and Arbitration. Uh, Just before I even forget, let me just tell the listener, you must complete a form. It's called LRA 7.11. You can get that online from the Department of Employment and Labor, go onto their website, go into the CCMA, and there they use, it's called a referral dispute, um, and you get the form LRA 7.11, you complete that, but make sure that it's sent, a copy is sent to your employer, and once it's sent to the employer, give proof, uh, with the proof and, a doc- and the same document to the CCMA, and then you follow up with them, and you ask them whether they can give you a case number. So that's out of the way. Mm. Must do it within 30 days. Otherwise, you've got all sorts of problems trying to explain why you're late. But now you for certainly in time now. And that's the idea to do that. The second thing is, obviously, I would also write to the employer and say, um, I confirm you've dismissed me, but can you explain why you didn't follow any disciplinary procedure? And also ask them if there is any appeal procedure. So I think Mm -hmm. I would actually put that in writing. And I'll tell you why. Often people say, I've been dismissed, but in fact they've been suspended pending the outcome of an inquiry. And that's not actually a dismissal. Or the employer says, you know, I didn't dismiss you. You just now absconded. And so there's a fight as to who did what. So I would actually put it in writing on an email to them, have proof that you sent it. And in the email, you say, I confirm that you have dismissed me, uh, but I would like to know from you why I didn't follow procedure, and I would also like to know from you as to whether there's an appeal procedure, and then at the same time also ask them for their disciplinary code. Uh, so there's no arguments afterwards because many employers do say, I didn't dismiss you, you just haven't pitched up to work. That being said, if you look at the merits of the case, the lesson to be learned from this is that one doesn't have practical jokes, the pranks at work. It doesn't work. It never does. They always they, they appear to be funny, but they always unfortunately backfire. Um, I've, I've just had a terrible case where um, it was a party. Everyone was going to a, I think it was a birthday party, and one of the ladies thought it was really funny to go and put Dachai in the cookies. Um, and right. someone ate one of those cookies. He felt really ill. Um, he's a religious man. He doesn't take that sort of mind-bending stuff. 
And if the whole thing is illegal, just not not acceptable, and especially when you haven't told people what it is, it's backfired and the people have been dismissed. Uh, it, it's a terrible episode. So what might appear at the time to be funny, like picking up a dead rat um, and scaring someone, uh, isn't actually funny. And mm. unfortunately, in this sort of, these set of circumstances, it could probably warrant a dismissal if they went through a proper hearing. Yeah. So I, I'm very big on this in that the workplace should be kept uh, very different to a friendship and very different to where you're you know, messing around with your mates with a drink at a braai. Uh, don't get into that. And even if it's a workplace fun event, don't treat people like your best mates where you can do what you would normally do mm-hmm. at home. Remember, you're still subject to that disciplinary code. So I'm not I'm not prejudging this particular issue. I'm just saying that I can understand where the employer's coming from because obviously this lady has been distraught. She's obviously scared of rats or whatever. And and now we've got this situation which is which is never good. Michael, we, we see this sometimes where in people who are working together would tease the one that's afraid of a snake and they'll put something under the chair or, you know, there is these kinds of pranks. But I think you made a good point by saying, you know, this is your workplace. Um, there is no real space for fun and games. If we, if you, if we talk about fun and games, um, yes, your workplace should be enjoyable. That's, uh, that's for sure. But you're there to perform a task. And by playing practical jokes and doing stuff, you actually deteriorate from the job that you are there to do you know and and people can argue well it's my lunchtime it's my this and my that but there's an order and there's a conduct that needs to be handled and if you're not doing that then you find yourself outside of the scope of the protection necessarily that comes with the employment isn't that correct that's absolutely correct and you can see this is a perfect example of what's happening with us i'm sure the listener wasn't intending to hurt or frighten um, the the other employee, the colleague. I'm sure that was not. I don't think people are inherently no. evil, and I don't think they're wrong. The problem is this one has backfired. Correct. And backfired terribly. And we've just been we've just seen the Department of Employment and Labour has brought out a new code of practice on sexual harassment, and this could even be deemed to be some sort of sexual harassment because. This is a male teasing a female, and there is a uh, almost a, an, an unwritten, um, call it an unwritten natural law, where a woman would scream when she sees a rat, for instance. Um, and it might be some sort of harassment as well, mm. never mind uh, just scaring her. It might be a harassment case as well. And so we've got to be extremely careful. I mean, the new... Harassment laws are saying you can't even make a gesture um, which might be deemed to be sexual harassment or even a look, a type of a look. Um, I can tell you, I years ago, and oh, Jesus, was many years ago, I got involved in a case where three workmen um, were sitting outside an office and they were laborers sitting outside, and one of the secretaries walked past and they started whistling. Um, uh, one did make a remark, but others whistled, and they all three got dismissed for sexual harassment. Sure. And so you've got to be very careful at the workplace that you don't step out of line. It's, 
Uh, your job is a very valuable asset. Mm. I keep telling people that jobs are so difficult to come by. You get dismissed from one, you're going off with a record, and then in any event, it's difficult to find another job. So you can mm. imagine you, everyone else is struggling to find a job. Now you've got a negative review from your previous employer, and when you're going to a new employer, they want to speak to your previous employer. They want a reference from your previous employer. It looks terrible to say you've been dismissed because you dangled a dead rat in front of a lady. Mm. Uh, not acceptable at all. And yeah. so I'm not picking on this listener. All I'm saying is it's a terrible lesson, but hopefully this lesson is some good that comes out of it that others right. will take note. Uh, and that obviously this listener will never do this again. And then also there could be some value in the fact that the employer didn't follow process. Mm. Um, and, of course, it, uh, one also wants to be able to ask the, in a, in a proper disciplinary hearing, ask the person that was on the receiving end of the judge if they would forgive you, yeah. uh, which they might do. Um, if they mm. see that it's caused you to lose your job, they might feel terrible about it and might say, look, I accept your apology and I'm happy to work with you in the future. Good. So it might, there might be some value in that as well. Mm. Michael, the the case uh, in circumstances like this. Let's take the 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 practical joke aside now. Let's let's say it's a wrongful termination procedure wasn't followed, um, and so forth. We have advised people many times to go to the CCMA, um, and the CCMA is kind of that first step into the the formal process. But with unfair dismissals. Um, there is that's not the jurisdiction of the CCMA, correct? It needs to go then to the Labour Court. No, no, no. That that would uh, the unfair dismissal goes to the CCMA. Okay, that's where it goes. Uh, you would fill in the form, the Seven Eleven, which I was speaking about, and that form would then the CCMA would generate a case number. Okay. And they normally, you give them your mobile number and they normally SMS you to say that they've received this and it's receiving attention. And you give them your email address. And if you don't have an email address or a mobile number, give them a friend's email address or mobile number because it's easy for them that way to get hold of you. They will then normally, within 30 days, they will then generate a case number. So that's important. It mm. starts off in, in the Cape. It starts off WECT, and then a number, and then oblique, and then 2022, the year. That's very important. And if you haven't got that within 30 days, I think you must follow up with the CCMA to find out what's going on. Because mm. sometimes they don't receive it, or something goes wrong, and you don't want to be months later still waiting for your case number. You mm. want to pursue it. So I would suggest that people send in that within the 30 days and wait about 10 days and then pursue them for a case number. Once you've got that case number, they will then send you another document uh, giving you a time, date, and place for a CONARB. It's called CONARB, Conciliation Oblique Arbitration. And it's, it's a two-step process that comes and they give you a time, date, and place for that con orb. And what happens is they expecting first to conciliate, mediate, uh, is the right term, to mediate that dispute between you and your employer where a professional 
mediator who will then conduct the conciliation will try and get a middle path, try and get a solution to the dispute that has now occurred. It could be money, it could be a reinstatement, it could be an apology, whatever. If it doesn't resolve itself, and these commissioners are quite good at what they're doing, they've been trained, if it doesn't resolve itself, then it automatically, there and then, goes on to an arbitration which is more like a court process. But that same person, that mediator, then puts on a different hat and becomes an arbitrator, like a judge. And then they will make a decision for you. In other words, they first let the parties try and make decisions to suit both parties. If they can't do that, then that mediating will come to an end and they will go straight on to arbitration. What you can do, if you don't want to have mediation and then directly afterwards arbitration, which I never like uh, for reasons I'll share with you just now, but I then send in a letter objecting to the CONARB, especially if the mediator that they appoint is not someone that I think is going to be uh, completely objective afterwards. A senior commissioner, a commissioner who is well-versed in in the laws and have been there for many years, are able to become objective in the sense that you might first share stories with them and then they say, right, let's put that aside, we haven't settled, now I'm going to arbitrate the matter. I'm normally objective because I want a different person, a different one to who was the one that tried to conciliate the matter. And the reason why I do that is because I share intimate details of the case with the mediator when they separate the parties. They separate the parties and they say, right, tell us um, what your case is, and then you give them your case, and then they have a chance to speak to the other side. And I don't know what's taken place when they have an independent individual meeting with the employee, for instance, I might be representing the employer. So I normally object and I say I want someone completely different that then gets postponed to a later date, normally a month, maybe six weeks thereafter, for an arbitration. And then you would have to fill in another form that's called LRA 713 um, to ask for an arbitration. And then you, you add, as part of that form, you attach the certificate that they'll give you at the CCMA after your conciliation. Mm. So that, that's the process that, that happens. Remember, when you get an arbitration award at the end of the day from that arbitrator, that award is final and binding. And there's no appeal. There's no saying, oh, well, I'm not happy with this, and so I want to have someone else to decide it. That doesn't happen. The only thing you can do if you feel that the arbitrator has misdirected him or herself or cheated in some way, then you can take that on review to the Labor Court, but that's a lengthy process, an expensive process, and unfortunately can backfire as well. Mm. And that can take anything up to two years to happen. So arbitration is where it's all at. If you've got witnesses, make sure they're ready. If you've got paperwork, make sure you've got the paperwork with you and copies of it. I normally bring four copies, one for you, one for the witness, one for the other side and one for the arbitrator, and that you number those pages so that when you say, let's turn to page six, you're all on the same hymn sheet, 
and you're all looking at page six. And I don't want to uh, irritate an arbitrator by saying, um, I have a piece of paper, um, but can we share it because I haven't made copies? That's mm. irritating for an arbitrator. Or, even worse, um, I've got a document that proves what I'm saying, but I've got it at home. I'll, I'll bring it to the sure. later stage. There's no later stage. It's there and then. It's yeah. back to arbitration. What I wanted to share with you tonight, which is exciting news, and we've spoken about this a long time now. I think you and I have spoken about it for good six months, is why is the CCMA closed to the public, and why do you have to do everything online? Why could you... Once you go in there and fill in your paperwork there and get some guidance from a commissioner who's there who can advise you on your case. Well, after lots of questions, after lots of cajoling and pushing and pressurizing, and I must admit I've been pressurizing them for a good six months on this, and opening on the 1st of May, which is May Day, I know it's a public holiday, the 1st of May is a Sunday, and then the 2nd of May will be the Monday, the public holiday. So on the 3rd of May, people will be able to go to their nearest CCMA offices and actually go in and speak to commissioners sure. and get some advice and fill out forms. They'll have forms for you. Uh, it's been a terrible ordeal mm. for the working public who don't who aren't computer literate or don't have computers or don't have data um, or just need some advice. It's not been easy. We've had almost two years now mm. of a closed CCMA. Um, and they, they couldn't understand at one point they were saying they don't know why their case referrals has dropped. And it should have gone up exponentially because everyone was getting retrenched and dismissed. Their case referrals to the CCMA was dropping, and it's just that. It's that people couldn't get through to them and can't go in there. Wow. But they will be able to from the 3rd of May. And like I said, uh, the senior commissioner, um, um, Commissioner Cameron Moriani, uh, in Johannesburg, has promised that from the 1st of May, that's his D-Day, um, he's going to be open, that he's going to celebrate it with Workers' Day, um, and that at least now we can get some justice for workers where they can go back to the CCMA, which is their rightful place. That's why the CCMA was started in the first place, to be able to not only hear disputes, but also to advise people and guide people. Um, and many workers, many, many workers who aren't unionized can't afford a lawyer and they need to go and get advice somewhere and that's the most obvious place to get advice from a seasoned commissioner who will be on duty to advise you. Michael, when we look at the CCMA, when does things fall under the jurisdiction of the CCMA and when does it get referred to the Labour Court uh, right off the bat? Um, is there certain cases or certain indis- um, circumstances that w- will go to the CCMA but will bypass it almost immediately because it, it needs to go to the Labour Court to be sorted out? I'm thinking of things no, like are, yeah, um, no, wrongful termination and stuff like that. Uh, all those cases, all the wrongful termination, all the cases that are... Oh, unfair dismissals. Disciplinary, unfair dismissal, they all go to the CCMA. Uh, you first refer to the conciliation and then it goes on to arbitration. What happens is if you get retrenched and you're part of a group of people that get retrenched, if there's more than one person that's been retrenched and there's no con- there's no consent to going to an arbitration, that has to go then after conciliation. 
has to go to the Labour Court. Mm. Uh, if you want to interdict, for instance, you want to stop a strike, interdict it because something's wrong, you would go directly to the Labour Court. So there are a whole lot of different types of cases that would go to the Labour Court because that has got the same jurisdiction as the High Court. Mm. Um, if you need to get some paperwork, for instance, from the company, you would then go to the Labour Court and demand that they, they produce the paperwork. That's a more technical side of it, a more difficult side of litigation. But what they've tried to do with the Labor Relations Act, they've tried to make it simple, cheap, and quick. Um, and so that most of the disputes, are, I think it's something as high as 91% of the disputes are with regard to dismissal. Yes. Um, and those cases all go to the CCMA. So you can see the CCMA is incredibly busy and the Labor Court isn't so busy because of that. Um, but like I said, um, you can take all those cases that go to the CCMA afterwards if you're unhappy with and you think that the commissioner misdirected him or herself, you can then go on review to the Labor Court. But like I said, there's a long waiting time. Um, I'm getting cases now that have come up which are over 18 months old. Um, so it's not the best way to, to, to push it. I know many employers would rather push it into the Labor Court if they can because they don't want their dirty washing to be hung out and dried at the CCMA. Yeah. Uh, but the majority of cases, I'd say at least 90% of the cases, do land up at the CCMA or at bargaining councils, which is a very similar process to the CCMA. For instance, if you get dismissed and you're in a trucking company and you get dismissed, you would fall under a bargaining council, so you would refer it to that particular bargaining council um, for your dispute to be heard there. Um, but now even... And it's changed a lot since three, four years ago. And normally, if you have a, a, a monetary dispute, in other words, you believe that your employer hasn't paid you out all your leave back, um, you've resigned, you've left, and they said, no, you only had three days' worth of leave pay left, and you think it was 50 days. Normally, what you used to do, have to go to the um, Department of Employment and Labor, then it was just the Department of Labor, and you would get an inspector to try and pursue the company to get your outstanding leave that is owing. Sometimes that inspector or an official from the department would take that to the labor court and pursue it for you. Uh, but invariably, it was a very difficult and very lengthy process again. And they didn't have enough inspectors, enough officials at the department to be able to pursue those cases. The laws changed. And now you can, as an individual, go directly to the CCMA uh, to pursue you getting that money from the CCMA, from the Commission, and they normally sit within 30 days. And it's quick and easy. Um, but then, like on that, on that, that particular type of case, you can't take a lawyer with you. Mm. You have to do it yourself. And the company can't take a lawyer themselves. They have to do it. Unless you belong to a trade union, you can bring the trade union with you, or if the company belongs to... An employer's organization, they can bring that with them. So that's what's happening now. I, I know tonight we've got uh, Tony Radman listening. Um, he's one of the officials, used to be an official, he's a retired official, 
from the department. I used to bump into him often in the Labour Court, and he did tell me he'd be listening tonight to the program. So hi, Tony. Sure. Michael, I had a conversation with a listener earlier this week, or actually last week, that made mention that they were unfairly dismissed from their employment. They went through the through the process of the CCMA, um, went through the conciliation, went through the arbitration, and at the end of it all, they they only received a tiny settlement amount, partly because they would have wanted more, um, which was more in line, say, three or four months' worth of salary, um, but they didn't have the finances to pursue it further to the labor court. The employer on the other side said they're only willing to pay a two-month um, settlement. That's after 15 years of employment um, and because they can only afford two months. They, they cannot afford to pay more. And they can't take him back into employment because they've already hired someone else in that employment space. Now, the question is, firstly, the person didn't want to resign. They, they didn't want to leave. And it was a, like a forced retirement situation. And they, they won the judgment in that, that case to, for a settlement. So they settled. But in cases with credit cards and loans and stuff like that, there's a protection in insurance that covers people for when they lose their employment or when they get retrenched. In this case, this person wasn't retrenched and they, they weren't necessarily fired, but they, were, they weren't given the option to keep on working and they took a settlement. So now they are responsible for that loan and they can't afford it because they don't have employment. What can a person like this do in, in a case like this? Well, there's very little in, in this particular instance because they've settled. They've obviously signed a settlement agreement, which is done in full and final settlement. Yes. Um, what, what, what has happened here, and I can read between the lines, obviously um, the commissioner did try and intervene, and like I said, they, they're very good mediators, so they try and say... Um, look, your case has got pitfalls in, in the various areas, they tell the employee, and and so we don't think you're going to get as much as what you want to do. This is like a, a normal tactic of a, a mediator, how they do it. Whereas they go to the employer on the other side and they say, listen, we think you might have run foul of the law here, you might have unfairly dismissed this person, and we would suggest that you pay them. And the employer says, well, I haven't got money. And they say, well, you know, if you're going to lose your arbitration, you'll probably have to pay a lot more. And so a good settlement, a good settlement, which all the commissioners say, is when both parties are unhappy. Mm. In other words, you don't have one very happy person and one very unhappy person. If both are unhappy, then that's a good settlement. Now, what's happened here in this particular case, obviously this employee was bullied to a little bit uh, the extent by the commissioner by the sounds of things or even by the employer mm. and then went and signed a full and final settlement agreement and that's the end of the road. Um, it's very difficult because nowadays what happens is when you sign a settlement agreement at the CCMA, that commissioner brings in another commissioner from outside and says, I need you to come in just to confirm with both parties that they're signing this agreement and they're doing so freely and voluntarily yeah. without being bullied. 
and the commissioner then brings someone else in, that other person then looks at both parties and says, are you signing? Is that you? Is that your signature? Are you happy with your signature? Do you confirm the contents? And do you understand it? And have you been pushed into this? They say, no, 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 thank you. And then ask the employee, um, is this your signature? Is this you? And do you understand what you're signing over here? And have you been bullied into it? And they say, no, I haven't been bullied, and I understand what I'm signing. And then they go away, and that second commissioner will then sign that I've been through the exercise. So you can't afterwards then say, I've mm. had buyer's remorse, and I think this is very unfair. Yeah. I know what it's like. I go down there every day to the CCMA, and I know what it's like. The employees come there, and they're nervous. They're, out of, they're like a fish out of water. They've never been there before. They don't understand the process fully, and they're feeling exposed. Yeah. And when someone says, look, I'm willing to pay you two months' salary, um, and then you can go home, and that's the end of it, uh, often people just almost feel relief. And, say, and then when they walk out, they say, but what have I done? Mm. I've been there for 15 years, and I've been unfairly pushed out. There was no reason to push me out. And now I've got no comeback. And, and no. I, I understand that and I sympathize with it. The problem is that you are actually given a chance to say, no, I'd rather have it properly heard by an arbitrator and I'd like to take the chance. A lot of people feel that that's gambling and you don't want to gamble, so you'd rather a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. And that's yeah. the problem. Michael, just a final question, um, also on the CCMA, uh, if, if we have a brief answer on this, um, and then I want to read you a message from a listener, um, but just a question quickly that was asked. Good evening. Our company recently retrenched four people due to overstaff and financial reasons in the business. One guy has now gone to the CCMA for unfair dismissal. Can he do this? Um, is that illegal? Yeah, he can. He can do it. Um, but the company can immediately say we object that has to go to the Labour Court because there are four people and we don't agree to the jurisdiction mm. of the CCMA. All right. Michael, someone wrote in a, a message a little bit earlier this evening, and I would like to just convey the message to you. Um, and this is because you are always so generous with your time, um, with your resource, uh, your knowledge, your research, your resource of knowledge uh, for listeners. You are one of the most punctual people when it comes to emails. Um, you remind me constantly how bad I am at my admin when you email me <laughs> and I don't reply back immediately. Um, but that's that's a service or a kindness that you show over the last years to Radio Tigerberg listeners, where they would ask a question, and if it's possible for you to work uh, something out for them, you do that. And this is where the message comes from. And they say, good evening uh, to everyone, and especially to Michael. Uh, this message is just a message that happened over a month ago about my husband's UIF. And I want to thank Michael um, for the fact that he assisted and that it caused my husband's UIF to be paid out at the end of it all. After struggling for a long time, finally they have paid it out. And then they thank Radio Tigerberg for having people like Michael on there once a month. Um, but Michael, you are a generous man when it comes to helping people out that with writing an email or just connecting them to the right person. Thank you very much for doing that. And if people want to make contact with you, how can they do that? 
Thank you. Yes, I will give my email address. That's very heartwarming to see because I must tell you, in many of the cases, I'm not successful. Yeah. Um, and there will be listeners who will tell you that, that we've been struggling for months. I have one of the Radio Tiger uh, listeners um, that I've, in fact, tried to help again today, but we've been waiting almost two years. Sure. Uh, so there are some tragic stories as well, but I'm briefly, I'm heart, I'm heart sore that... Some people I can't help, but when I hear that someone has been helped, that makes it all worth it. Yeah. So please, yes, email me. I'd love to try and help. I don't charge for that. I do write the letter. I don't run the court cases for you, but I'm happy mm. to write the email. Uh, my email address is Michael, my first name, M-I-C-H-A-E-L, Michael, at Bagrams, B-A-G-R-A-I-M. S M S and for Mary S for sugar dot C O dot Michael at Bagrams dot C O dot Michael, like always, you're an officer and a gentleman. Thank you very much for making time again on this Monday night to speak to us. And uh, we look forward to chatting to you again at the end of next month. Have a wonderful evening and a wonderful rest of April. There is not a lot left of it. And uh, I can imagine with all these four-day work weeks, um, getting everything done is uh, is a bit more of a challenge this month. But uh, we are hopefully almost through this month. Thank you. You keep well and keep well to all the listeners. Thank, Thank you. you very much. And that was Michael Bagram. Gewees op Radio Tijgerberg. Se wat sê die Jy het geluister na, want sê die reg, op Radio Tijgerberg 104 FM. Skakel gerust volgende maandag aan, weer in.